Get ready to rock radio. Okay, this is Pete Feenstra, getreadytorock.com. Very pleased to be able to talk to Jerry Tempest, the leader, frontman, vocalist, songwriter of the reformed Europe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I say that was some surprise. I mean, you, you split up 17 years ago. Are you amazed that you're back again? Uh, well, 92, we did, uh, we've been uh, working for about 10 years by then. Uh, we started very young, sort of 17 and 18, started touring. And in 92, in Portsmouth, that was the last gig we did on that world tour, Prisoners of Paradise, we decided to take a break. And uh, uh, it became a bit too long, the break. We did some solo albums. The other guys played with, uh, amongst others, Glenn Hughes and toured. And, yeah. and, uh, so uh, in, in Millennium Eve, we sort of decided, oh, we can't wait anymore. We've got to do this. And uh, so we started again. 2004, Start From The Dark came. Yeah. And since then, it's been nonstop. But the Millennium thing was a kind of unbelievable... You couldn't have written a script for that. Really. No. So to come back on that night. We were invited by a, a, sort of a private entrepreneur guy who, yeah. who wanted to do something special in Stockholm. And he put on the show, and we played Final Countdown just before midnight. And it was probably on the streets. It was People were outdoors. We played outdoors. Actually, it was cold, cold as, yeah. as hell. Right. It was half a million people on the streets, and we played the Final Countdown just before midnight. Yeah, it was amazing. But the amazing thing with that thing was the rehearsal with John Orham again uh, prior to the show, uh, just to be together again and yeah. feel the vibe and, and, and realize how much we've been missing each other. And then we just had to finish some, some solo contracts. That, therefore, it took a few years before Star From The Dark came. And, and uh, moving on from that, your, your solo albums. Oh yeah, we did, I did three in that space. I was going to do one, <laughs> but, but they were a diff completely different. Yeah, yeah. Singer songwriter. Well, I just wanted to educate myself a little bit to where where rock and and pop and lyrics and and, and lyricism, you know, where everything came from. So I started digging more singer songwriter. Um, artists, especially from America, though we talked about Neil Young earlier. Yeah. Jackson Brown's yeah. one of my favorite. Did you get behind those albums at all? Uh, yes, I did some touring with some uh, musicians that I didn't know so well, obviously. But uh, uh, yeah, we did a European tour. We did some other touring. But that period of my solo albums was more to educate myself and, and on, on singer songwriter, and, and hopefully I brought some of that knowledge now for writing lyrics with Europe as well. Good. We should talk about the new album, but first the new five track that you've put out. Yeah. Let's look at Eden. Uh, the actual title of the title track is, is a very strong lead track. Does it represent the band's new muscular direction, would you say? Yeah, Last Look at Eden is a good example. It's got that dramatic feel, majestic, but it's still a, a pure rock song as well. Yeah, it, 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 it's... Um, it's very Zeppelin. Yeah, I suppose so, because our producer, young producer guy came up with this idea, why don't we go to Czech, Czech uh, Republic and record strings? Uh, right. So we went to Prague, right. and after that it took on more of a Led Zeppelin feel, I think. Uh, before that was straightforward rock song, but the strings did help, you know. Does that mean that you think that Europe are going to be pitching themselves more towards the kind of heavier, weightier end of the rock market? I think so. I mean, Secret Society, which got some good reviews yeah. in, in England before this, became heavier. And in Star From The Dark, our comeback album, people know it's very raw, very heavy. So we haven't left that formula at all. We, we can't help but use John and Norm's heavy guitars it, it, as a feature instrument in, in the music. Quite so. And then write around that. Um, uh, yeah, it's, but this album, though, Last Look at Eden, also has the most... Im, the most... Uh, was influenced from, from, from the 70s that we had in the 70s and yeah. even 
maybe traces back to our own 80s albums more so than the first yeah. previous this one has sort of a broader it's a bit broader in that sense I think yeah um, you've been quoted as saying sometimes it takes a while before you know which song will be with you forever do you, do you feel that's the case with Let's Look at Even the actual track yeah we've been playing it live now for this summer we're doing festivals and it's already proven to be one of those songs that's going to stay with us there's a few songs we play live Start From The Dark the song Start From The Dark we play yeah. live that's going to stay with us. It's just some songs from each album sort of gets their place on the yeah. set list and they never really leave. Even Seven Doors Hotel from our very, very first album is still on there. So, I mean, Last Look at Eden is proving very, very promising for the future. Yeah, so the general emphasis seems to be not back, but you, you, you're looking towards classic rockers, the genre that you're going to attach yourself to. Did you feel yeah. trapped? I'm going to ask you the obvious question about... Uh, the big hit. I mean, did you did you feel trapped by that? Is that one of the reasons John left the band? Because you went. What happened with the final countdown? That was our third album. The two previous Europe and Wings of Tomorrow was guitar-based hard rock album inspired by British hard rock music. Basically, that's how we grew up. And the third album, we got a record deal in New York with CBS, so million-dollar deal, and they recommended a producer. Kevin Elson, who's produced Journey, and, and we were excited because we really liked Steve Perry and, and, and uh, Neil Sean. We really loved their singing and guitar playing in Journey, so we were excited getting this producer, and he's, he did a great job. But what happened was, on our third album, the mixing, the guitar went down in the mixing a little bit, and, and they were mixed for, more for American radio. Final Countdown was mixed for American radio. Yeah. But he did a great job, and, and the album did great for us. Yeah. It, it opened up the whole world. But I think... As far as mixing guitars, they went down a little bit. I don't think John was too excited about that. Yeah. Uh, and also, by that, in those days, he only wanted to play guitars. These oh, days, he's not. He's okay with photo sessions and, and, and TV shows. But in those days, it was only playing guitar. And you can imagine how many playback shows and TV shows we were invited to. Uh, it was it was a very strange period for a live rock band to have that big crossover hit for us. But I ca I can't say that. I mean, we love playing this song live. Um, of course. However, it's if it's mixed on the album, it's it's yeah. really a magnificent song to play yeah. live, and the communication with the audience is great. You know. And one that you wrote. I mean, did it did it feel good when you did you feel it was going to go when you actually wrote it? Originally? Yeah, I was very excited about the song. Yeah. It was more like a movie tr soundtrack for me. Uh, I didn't present it as a sort of a crossover or this is going to be a hit or anything to the guys. I just said this. Remember we talked about having a song to open our show, to have something dramatic, to have something to build up people's expectations. I think I have the idea. And this old keyboard riff I had since college days. I borrowed a keyboard from a guy in school, which happened to be Michaeli, actually. Uh -huh. So I kept that idea. And when we did our third album, we said, let's have an opening track for our show. It was over six minutes long. It was never meant to be some sort of a hit or anything. Uh, so, yeah, it was exciting to write that song because it was so different. But going back to Start From The Dark... You seem to want to start with a clean slate, and yet you hired the very same producer. Kevin. Yeah, we did. Because we were sort of, we wanted to do our own thing, and we knew that Kevin was a good friend. We kept in contact over the years. We sort of knew that working with him, we knew, we knew how it was to work with him. Yeah. And he's quite easy and pleasant to work with. Yeah. So I think that was our first choice with Kevin. Let's get somebody we know. Let's not go out uh, on a limb with the producer, but let's, let's do our own stuff. And with a guy we know, that's why we wanted to do it. And getting back to the five track, You Devil You, that's another new song you presented to the fans. 
Yeah, UW is a, it's a good example of the, of the album tracks. Right. The groovy style, the 70s uh, influences. And the bass is well up in the mix on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it grooves. It's got a nice pulse. It's kind of a sexy little thing, you know. Yeah, it's you, cool. you mentioned the 70s there. Do you think that the, the rock, rock market as a whole is more open to classic rock, stroke, retro rock now than it was back in the 80s? No doubt. I yeah. think uh, I've seen actually new radio stations popping up now. It's coming a bit late, but it's popping up now playing classic rock and they're getting bigger in yeah. certain countries in Europe. I don't know about England yet, but, but they, they're maybe out in the country. But yeah, classic, the classic rock yeah. genre. And that incorporates some hard rock bands, incorporates some metal music. Point, and it's yeah. it really it's a need for it yeah because for so long now it's been it's been disappearing from radio media that is sort of finding its way back and, uh, and do you think Europe and, and rock in general can cross over to a new generation is that your feeling well we, when we're out playing live we tour a lot now and uh, yeah we see a new generation out there definitely that, yeah. that's interested in the hard rock or metal and yeah it's it's wild out there on the festivals in Europe I'm right. telling you it's yeah, really no, wild it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, just sticking with the, the five track, you, you've really done Superstition, or, which is one of your best songs. I mean, two questions about that song. The first one, did you think it was going to be bigger at the time than it actually was? Superstitious was uh, is the f basically the follow-up, the first single after the final Countdown yeah. album. Yeah. And we were still signed to America. We still, it was, everything was run from New York. And Superstitious went quite well. Uh, top 40 in America for a long time. Maybe even top 20, I don't remember exactly. Um, it did the business. We, we, we did some great touring on that album and that song, actually. Right. Yeah. And it's also, thinking about the, the way the band's going now, stylistically, it's got a great uh, deep purple style keyboard riff on it. We, and then it's also got kind of an 80s arrangement, and it almost suggests the two tensions, stylistic tension of the band almost. What was that on Superstitious? Yeah. Know? Yeah. You've got a great bit of keyboard riff, yeah, we, which suggests that you could have gone, as a band back then, you could have gone in that direction but maybe the producer was pushing in. We always try to end up being a guitar-based band. Right. Uh, there was a period in the 80s we I was very fascinated with keyboards. I just grew up outside Stockholm, and, and I, I started to realize that keyboards were finding its way into hard rock music, especially through Van Halen and Jump. And, and, yeah. and it was yeah. a fascinating time experimenting with this thing. And I think Final Countdown is a great example of marrying uh, guitars and keyboards. But that was one of those periods for the band. But if you think about Europe, Europe's first two albums are guitar-based. And the last, the last albums, from Pris even from Prisoners, are more guitar-based. But we use keyboards in a very more subtle sense, but very, they're still very important. And on the last Look at Eden, we have brought them back a little bit more. But the B3 organ was there all along. You know, it's always in the studio. But as a songwriter, thinking about your input into the band now, and going back to that time where you really were a top chart band, mm. Uh, and you had the American producer and you had the American record. Did, did you feel any pressure to change the way you wrote your songs? Not really. I mean, the, everybody... Other than following up your commercial success. Yeah, of course. After the final count on everybody on, on, on uh, Out of This World, the follow-up album, I think people in the record business maybe and our record company expected us to do another final countdown perhaps but we never we never even uh, considered recording anything I'm sure I tried some demos in that vein but I never the decision was to never try and do something and, and, and that's obviously uh, it was a good choice because we're still here now we're doing we're having some uh, good vibes around the band now because we didn't milk anything we didn't try to keep doing 80s albums we didn't 
we just wanted to create something new, and I think that's why we're still here, really. You know, oh, we could have we could have destroyed ourselves. We could have self-destruct, you know, by doing Final Countdown two, three, four, five, six, and then you would never have seen us again. Was it always the case that the two you, you were going to come back? Yeah. Or was it just dependent on the time and, and the state of the market? Yeah, really? because Ian was very instrumental, the drummer, calling everybody yeah. all the time. Come on, when are we doing it? When are we doing it? And they visited me. I lived in Ireland at the time. They visited me there. John Oram always called and sent his solo albums to me. And there, right. was, there was like this thing, when are we doing it? But what's going on with solo projects and stuff? Yeah, it was always going to happen. But I think the Millennium Eve really triggered everything. Was it interesting for you to sort of observe the direction that John was going in? Yeah, I always checked his solo albums. Yeah. I? I was very interested. I, I liked this album he did with uh, Glenn Hughes there, Face the Truth. Yeah. And I sang on, on one of the songs there. I went to LA to meet him, and I sang on one of his songs. He played on one of my solo albums too. So, uh, yeah, i always fascinated with John. I mean, the, the story with me and John goes back. I mean, he was 14 years old. Uh, he was playing a gig in, in, a, in, in a small town where we grew up yeah. and I went to see him play and uh, it just changed my world that day and I said I, I have to play with this guy and we started playing and we formed the band Force and uh, since then oh, we've always been like brothers you know falling in falling out you know <laughs> and he left the band for a while it must have been like what Steven Tyler felt when Joe Perry left you know and Aerosmith it's yeah. really weird because you like brothers and you know that singer guitar player relationship it's always a bit you know yeah, yeah, tense yeah. And, uh, but now it's great you know we're like uh, we're like brothers now get ready to rock radio uh, and you seem to Rebuilt your career on the back of touring. You kept busy playing the festival circuit this summer, as you yeah. said. I mean, I guess that's a kind of a new thing for you. Whereas before, you used to yeah. headline in your own right. And we always did our own shows. Yeah. Which was maybe we should have broken into the festival scene a long time ago, but we didn't because we had enough job doing our own shows. Yeah. But now, with the last uh, since 2004, since we started again, we've incorporated festivals in our touring. And it's a lot of fun because you get to you get to meet a lot of other bands and you get to cross over to other people, other bands' audiences, and yeah, we're opening up the festival scene and for you ourselves. Up to a new crowd. Yeah, that's yeah, it's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, also, on the going back to the almost unplugged session, yeah, where you covered some classic rock by Zeppelin, Thin Lizzy, UFO, etc. Yeah. Um, and, and presumably from that led to the, the Zeppelin cover since I've been loving you. Yeah. Plays on the five track. I mean, is that the most bluesiest thing you've ever done? Yeah, on record. I mean, sometimes we, if we're in rehearsal, we, we might play blues and stuff. Because uh, that's one thing with John, his guitar playing. He has uh, he has a blues feeling built in him. It's quite rare for Scandinavian guitar players to have that sort of. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. So we, we we jam on it. But yeah, as far as recording, that's probably the bluesiest thing we've done. And the reason we want to spread it is that we were surprised ourselves how well it turned out. It was a webcast. Almost Unplugged was a yeah, webcast yeah, for our fans yeah, through yeah, our website. Yeah. And we filmed it with sort of bad, not bad cameras, but it was filmed for webcast. So it wasn't really put in all that effort. But we listened to it and looked at the footage and said, this is good enough to release. So the CD is coming out and the DVD is coming out. Well, you sing, you sing it brilliantly. Thank you. Did you alter the way you phrase on that song? Yeah, I had to go through it in my mind a lot. I remember walking around um, You've with met my headphones. Yeah, I met, yeah. I met Robert Plant a few times. Uh, obviously, he's probably responsible for my hair and the look <laughs> I wanted in the 80s too. I wanted to, I wanted to look like him. I thought he looked really cool. But anyway, yeah, almost unplugged. I had to sort of 
rework the, the phrasing and think, how would I do this song and still do it justice and still stick to what he did? Because I can imagine what they did. That might have been just a one take for Robert. Yeah. That might have been just yeah. a, a fun take one day. Yeah. You know how they worked yeah. in the 70s? Yeah. And he just improvised and he just sort of throw phrases, throw words in there. Uh, so I had to sort of, being the Scandinavian that I am, sort of structure it a little bit yeah. and memorize how I was going to sing it. How were you drawn back to the thing as a UFO and all the, all the classic rock stuff? Well, what, what made you go back and actually cover some of those in the first place? Where did that idea come from? Well, the general idea with this almost unplugged thing was let's do something for the fans yeah. and let's rework some Europe tracks. Yeah. So we reworked Final Countdown. Yeah. We, we, we did Gotta Have Faith in a sort of 70s, yeah. sort of Starsky and Hutch kind of way. We did, yeah, it was yeah. weird. But then we thought, let's do something else with this show. Let's, um, let's, you know, present a new side to Europe. Maybe dig up the, the bands that influenced us and mm -hmm. pick some favorite tracks from them. It was just sort of a brainstorming we had, and, and, and then we started discussing what bands and what songs, and that took a few months, of course. But we ended up with these choices, that, with songs that have meant something to us yeah. as a, a whole band. So Europe really are one of a few handful of bands that act as a link between where it all came from in the early 70s, I guess. And, there and are a few bands around, I think. Yeah. I think Guns N' Roses would, Snake, but even yeah. Guns N' Roses, I think, and, and bands like that. Uh, maybe not on the last Guns album, but, but in general, there are bands, that, an audio slave, they're not playing anymore, but they, they are a link straight back yeah. to it. And I think yeah. Europe is also a link straight back, because we walked around in Upland Svespi there, listening to um, Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple, of course, but also, uh, also UFO, Thin Lizzy, Rainbow, Early White Snake, and also American bands like Montrose. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First Montrose album is one of my favourite. Well, um, Phil Lennon, of course, was one of your yeah, heroes. I yeah. didn't realise that until Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did Suicide, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I actually managed to meet Phil one time. I was just a young punk. <laughs> I, dared to, I, I, I took the courage to go up and ask him something in a nightclub because they played on a secret gig. So I got yeah. to meet him. He was really pleasant. He was really nice to me, which gave me sort of a, a, a belief that uh, rock stars and heroes can be nice and... and uh, I was just a young kid, 16 maybe, and that's all. And that's the sort of band that probably would have been enjoying the same kind of renaissance that they yeah, were having, yeah. know, if they'd have been able to be together. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you, you also did a, a four-hour DVD a while back, we called it a Hammersmith. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did yeah. it live from the dark. And I, I was just thinking about that. I mean, you, you've, you've made mention in other interviews that um, even though this is your eighth and ninth album, it feels like you're... Second or third album. Yeah, this last even feels uh, like our third album. <laughs> but actually, given the fact that you've almost had this up, getting up to speed thing with the DVD, yeah. um, do you see yourselves moving on again from there now, in a different direction? Or? Well, we did this Life from the Dark, that was in 2004, 2005, yeah. at Hammersmith. Um, that was a kind of reprise of what you'd done. Yeah, exactly, with some new stuff. Yeah. yeah. And now Almost Unplugged is a new thing for us. I mean, that yeah. would be nice to do an Almost Unplugged too. We talked about that, you know, that might happen. Uh, a few more gigs like that, I guess. Yeah, some different kind of gigs. But now we're f completely focused on touring. 2009, 2010 will be Last Look at Eden um, promotion and touring, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We're very, everybody in the band are excited about this uh, new album. Well, I, I think I, I think the Eden track itself is, is probably one of the best things mm. we've ever written. To be honest. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm really <coughs> pleased. We've done it now live, as I said, maybe for maybe five, 
seven shows and it's sort of like we said it's sort of sticking in there it's it's, it's finding a root in, in our system and it's probably going to stay with us for a long time it would be an interesting barometer to see where it, where it <coughs> excuse me where it lands on um, radio yeah and anywhere else <laughs> I video know. charts or what have you yeah. And, uh, yeah the video is a phenomenon I mean 60,000 views already on MySpace after a month it's something of a phenomenon we found a young producer video producer in Gothenburg who's done In Flames videos and, and bands like that more extreme metal videos, but the marriage with, with, between Europe and him turned out really great, and the video is fantastic. Because yeah, in, in a way, you, you're swimming against the tide in, in some way, going back towards classic rock, because some bands like Thunder are actually splitting up now. Yeah, but they, they've done a good job, though, and a yeah. great band. I, I know Probably Luke a little bit. bit yeah. yeah, but they might, they but might be more personal reasons as well, because they could yeah. keep going for a while, and most people in, in yeah. our business know that they could. Yeah. But there might but be they other also reasons. Went away and came back, yeah, of they did. But I'm thinking of the fact that, as I, as I mentioned earlier, you're actually playing to, hopefully, new audiences on the, on the festival circuit. Yeah. And, and really, so that's the thing that's going to... Yeah, that's the way we broaden it again and trying to find uh, trust. I mean, people need to trust you. They, don't, they need to think, oh, this is not just a one-tour reunion. This is for real. They're coming back, they're doing more albums, they're doing this, they're doing that. That's what you need to do. And hard? eventually it pays off. You know? Will it be harder to do that in America, do you think? Because they're yeah. more in tune with... It's a bit harder in America. In you, need, you need a sort of a... Yeah, they, they, genre, they, they put in genres everywhere in America. They have the, that sort of metal, that sort of hard rock and that pop, that's hip-hop, they separate everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be a bit more difficult for us in America, but we're sure as hell going to give it a shot. And when are you actually going over there? We're, we're <coughs> aiming to do that next year, 2010. This year will be full with Europe and hopefully UK and Ireland in February, that's the plan. And is that look at Eden being released over there at the same time as here? No, it's going to be released later on in America. We want to get some results here. We want to work it hard and bring those results over there and show them that this is what we're doing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's understandable. Do you think that the, the rock, rock market as a whole is more open to classic rock, stroke, retro rock now than it was back in the 80s? No doubt. I yeah. think uh, I've seen actually new radio stations popping up now. It's coming a bit late, but it's popping up now playing classic rock and they're getting bigger in yeah. certain countries in Europe. I don't know about England yet, but, but they, maybe out in the country... But yeah, classic, the classic rock yeah. genre, and that incorporates some hard rock bands, incorporates some metal music, That's a good point, and it's yeah. it really it's a need for it. Yeah, because for so long now it's been it's been disappearing from radio and media that is sort of finding its way back. And, uh, and do you think Europe and, and rock in general can cross over to a new generation? Is that your feeling? Well, when we're out playing live, we tour a lot now, and uh, yeah, we see a new generation out there definitely that, yeah. that's interested in the hard rock or metal and yeah it's it's wild out there on the festivals in Europe I'm well, telling you it's yeah, really no, it's, wild yeah. Yeah. And getting back to the five track You Devil You that's another new song you presented to the fans yeah You Devil You it's a good example of the, of the album tracks right. the groovy style the 70s uh, influences and the bass is well up in the mix on that yeah 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 it's, it grooves it's got a nice pulse it's kind of a sexy little thing Going right back to when you first started, Joey, I mean, uh, were you just trying to emulate your heroes at the time, or were you trying to hone a distinctive Swedish rock sound? <laughs> That's a good question. I think when you're young and a teenager, you do listen to a lot of, uh, you get influenced by bands. As I said earlier, we, we walked around, it was everything, it could be anything. We listened to uh, Frank Marino, right, yeah. uh, we listened to Uli Roth solo albums. MSG was very, that Michael Schenker group was very instrumental, very important for us. Uh, uh, even Number of the Beast with 
with Iron Maiden, uh, right. UFO albums. Yeah, it kind of covers so, the so, so in a way, you couldn't, you couldn't not not be influenced by those albums. But I think Europe is one of those bands that we sort of found our own thing as well. The melodies, the the, the melancholy maybe in the lyrics, the the guitar, the John's guitars, and and the solo. I mean, to find a solo guitar player like that, solo guitar player like John, to find a guy like that in Scandinavia, it was amazing. Uh, a world class player hidden away, coming from Norway, northern Norway he's born, you know. Um, we had something special from the beginning, and my love for songwriting. I mean, I, I remember meeting in rehearsal with John, and John was like, uh, oh, I've got to practice my guitar solo, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Yeah, but we got, we got to start writing our own songs, I said. You know, we're playing some covers now with UFO, we're doing this and that. Let's, because I came from a band earlier that I already started writing, so I, I introduced, let's, let's do our own songs, and... And John was like, yeah, yeah, show me something, show me something. And the great thing with John was like, oh, yeah, I love that song idea. I love the way you write. So that sort of snowballed, and we started writing our own tracks with a fantastic guitar player. And it's sort of, we felt like an international band. And that was the whole idea with having, altering some of our names, stage names and everything. It, the, the, the thing was, we wanted to be an international band. We had posters of, of the Illicit touring in Europe, and that's what we wanted to do. That was the dream. And Not guess, to tour in Sweden, but to tour in Europe. I guess there weren't too many other bands in Sweden back in the, the late 70s no. doing what you do. There were a few, but they, d they didn't manage to get outside of Sweden. They didn't sort of manage to get outside of Sweden. Uh, and they were mainly metal, I guess. Yeah, more metal side, more new metal, you know, or whatever they call it, British metal they called it, didn't they? A long they time did, ago. In, in the early Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and, and again, thinking about British metal and, and back to the 80s, you've actually spanned almost three generations of music, almost. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds scary. <laughs> well, it does, but it's also the genre, which is classic rock with yeah. its broader configurations. It's, it's something that's it's on the up again. We can see that. Yeah, it is. At festivals. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about Europe, and we're going full circle in this, is that you've actually you're in three waves of this now. And yeah. You seem to have come out the other end and stronger. And, um, on, on that subject as well, songwriting, I mean, do you, do you find it easy now to to come up with lyrics based on the fact that you've got 40 years behind you being in a band and life experiences and what have you? Yeah, the, the three solo albums I did uh, when I started singer-songwriters, that was good for me lyrically and also living abroad since I was 24, 25. Uh, since I moved out of Sweden in 87, 88, um, I think it has helped. John lived in LA for 15 years. Both him and me sort of have an international feel for music, we always listen to English and American bands, never Swedish bands. So, I think all this has paid off, and uh, we just got, like you say, I think it's full circle. I think Last Look at Eden is a great summary. It has the elements. It has the modern rock thing that we want to achieve. The relevant sort of, we want to be relevant in some way. We want to be creative and and interesting in some way. But it also has that tie in with the 70s. It also has that tie with the 80s. Last Look at Eden has those two elements together with a young producer who make, who's making it sound relevant today. Absolutely, and that, I really hope it does work well too. <coughs> Thank you. Know, you. Pleasure talking to you. Have <laughs> a great you. festival. All right. Yeah.